Welcome to the Ultimate Dentist Podcast. Join us to hear success stories of various individuals and learn clinical and life hacks to help you become the ultimate dentist. Hi everyone, uh, today we are going to discuss about tooth surface loss indices. And um, there is wide recognition that we need to really record tooth surface loss because if we record it, we measure it, if we measure it, we are going to do something about it, at least educate patient that they have tooth wear. And, you know, learning anything such as tooth full mouth reconstruction is all about diagnosing cases, communicating with patients, and then advising them appropriate treatment. Now, there have been lots of tooth wear indices coming to play since um, since 1960s, really. However, if you look at all the indices, the methods can be broadly divided into quantitative and qualitative in nature. Quantitative methods tends to rely on objective physical measurements, such as depth of groove, area of facets, or height of crown. Whereas qualitative methods will rely on clinical description and can be more subjective if appropriate training and calibrations are not carried out. But um, with correct safeguards can be valuable in epidemiological tools. So if you're doing epidemiological studies, then qualitative methods may be a, a great way to assess tooth wear. In a clinical intraoral examination, there will be an inclination toward description, descriptive assessment measure, such as mild, moderate, or severe, rather than quantitative measure, uh, which is easy to perform reliably on a model or in a laboratory setting. So if you're doing large cohort sort of um, assessment, then qualitative studies are better. But if you have, if you're doing one or two person, you're taking impressions, digital records, and if you want to assess quantitatively, then you need some sort of a um, objective method rather than subjectively looking at the tooth and seeing how much dentin is exposed. Um, you know, so you need, you need some extra tool in order to do qualitative measures. However, one area of the consensus is the recognition of dentine exposure as an indicator for substantial tooth uh, tissue loss. So it's all um, one of the early indices which was uh, came about for tooth surface loss was Eccles in 1979, Index for Dental Erosion of Non-Industrial Origin. And he really classified it as early, small, and advanced. And there was no strict criteria or definition as to what you consider is early, um, small, and advanced. But in essence, it breaks down into three classes of erosion, denoting the type of lesion assigned to four surfaces representing the surface where erosion was detected. So you're looking at all the surfaces. However, it was very complex and you know, it, it's time consuming. So S Smith and Knight in 1984 came up with the um, indices, which is more practical based. And it was one of the first uh, indices of its kind because it did not designed to 
for the etiological reason. So, you know, it was really designed so that you can measure tooth surface loss rather than etiology of the tooth surface loss. And, um, you know, it was designed to use in research into etiology and prevention management and monitoring of tooth surface wear, but you you didn't have to really record the etiology when you're recording tooth surface loss, if that makes sense. It was a comprehensive index, but it took a lot of time generating to collect the data. The comparison with, with the threshold levels for each age group was difficult to do um, because it was really um, going into very detail of the, the age patients, age-related um, indices, and what type of um, tooth wear seen on what age. And, you know, it was mainly for research purposes and it was difficult to use in clinical practice. However, it was one of the most widely quoted um, tooth surface loss indices. And then to simplify that process, Bartley in 2004 um, from UK um, made a, a tooth wear indices index which scored 0, 1, 2 and 3. 0 being nowhere into dentine, 1 being dentine just visible or dentine exposed, 2 being dentine exposure greater than one third of the surface area and 3 being exposure of the pulp or secondary dentine. However, the, despite of the calibration training, difficulties were experienced diagnosing the dentine exposure in the epidemiological field. And there is some debate as to the significance of the dentinal cupping when exposed dentin does not relate to the significant amount of tooth surface loss, which means that if you if you see a tooth and if you just see a, a deep dentinal cupping, but it's only limited to, I don't know, one eighth of the surface of the tooth, do you consider that as a score two? Um, or you consider as score one, where dentine is just visible. So it was, it's, it's difficult to um, quantify. Um, there was another indices where LUSSI, L-U-S-S-I, in 1996 came up with the full scoring system. Again, scores from zero to three for facial and scores from zero to two for occlusal and lingual surfaces. And again, it, developed, it really concentrated more on erosive wear. Recently, in 2008, basic erosive wear examination index was um, coined. Uh, the name coined was BV, B-E-V-E, W-E. And it's, it's called basic erosive wear index. However, BV was evol evolved over a European consensus. The term tooth wear has developed a different connotation for UK dentists compared to that of our European colleagues. So when they said erosive wear, they basically included all type of wear, not just erosive wear, because the, the large emphasis is placed on recognition, recognition that severe tooth wear rarely happens without contributing acidic etiology. But it doesn't mean that it's just erosive, purely erosive wear. In UK, we commonly known as tooth surface loss, basically, tooth wear. Um, and the focus of this index was the simplicity. And it can be done at the same time when you're doing basic periodontal examination, which is BPE. 
and uh, the, the, the BV is not designed to use to assess progression of the disease. And that's very important. It's basically a single assessment and it's an adjunct to the clinical judgment at the time. It's not sufficiently accurate to enable progression to be assessed over time because you're not really measuring start point and exactly how many microns or millimeters uh, tooth surface loss has happened. And again, it's divided into uh, four scores. Score number zero was no erosive air. One was initial loss of surface texture. Two was being distinct defect heart tissue loss less than 50% of the surface area and dentin could be involved. Three being heart tissue loss more than 50% of the surface area. And the highest score in the sextant is counted. So whichever tooth has is the worst, um, that tooth will dictate the score of, the, uh, of that sextant. And it's basically divided into six sextants. And Health, of, Health Education England recently issued a guidance that recording tooth wear is aspirational rather than essential requirement. However, it, or it's, it's a recommended tool. So it's recommending every dentist to record tooth surface loss because it's very easy to um, misdiagnose or um, underdiagnose patients who have early tooth wear. And the pro was that it's a simple and easy to score. You know, you can do it at the same time when you're doing BP examination, and it's good for communicating with patient. However, disadvantage is that it's very general information, you know, difficult to continuously monitor and measure tooth surface loss using this indices index. Um, like any indices, it is good to record the data, but it's, it could be very subjective when someone's recording, you know, what is initial loss of tooth surface texture. You know, some people might say, yes, it's lost the texture. Some people might say, mm, it's not. So, you know, those borderline cases are difficult to, to assess. But that's with any index. There is subjectivity unless you are using qualitative or quantitative, uh, using quantitative index. And it's impossible to give treatment advice depending on just grades. However, that's, that's what the aim was, uh, to give some sort of a treatment guide using this index and it was simplified so the scoring system was if if from all the sextant the score is less than two then routine maintenance and observation is recommended and it, it needs to be repeated three yearly interval if the combined score of all sextants is between three to eight then again oral hygiene and dietary assessment is done, advice is given, and again, routine maintenance and observation is done and repeat at two yearly interval. If the score is 9 to 13, then again, oral hygiene and dietary advice, assessment given, advice is given, identify the main etiological factor for tissue loss and develop strategies to communicate or eliminate respective um, impacts, so the etiology really. Consider fluoridation measures or other strategies to increase the resistance of tooth surface. And ideally to avoid placement of restorations and monitor erosive wear with study casts, photographs, or silicon impression. And you need to repeat that every six to 12 months. Now this came this sort of advice came with the with the, a study attached to its own um, saying that, you know, there was a patient 
one patient which was observed over three years and um, with the with the severe tooth surface loss and what they found is that the tooth surface loss over three years so progression is minimal and uh, again european consensus was that you should monitor as long as you can to avoid any intervention intervention because the as soon as you start restoring patient's mouth then patients um, you know it's for life uh, managing that restoration again uh, it was it was quite, it was um, discussed that the cost of having these treatment would be into tens of thousands of pounds, and you know patient may not be able to afford that kind of expensive treatment. And I really, really strongly disagree uh, that treatment um, indications or that treatment recommendation. And um, you know if 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 someone's my close one or, you know, my mouth or my patient's mouth, I would not recommend doing nothing when the score is 9 to 13, which means, you know, it could be that some of the sex accidents might have half, more than 50% of the tooth loss. Um, and, you know, you are recommending them to just observe for years on years and years. And we all know what happens when you observe tooth wear. You will not notice immediate immediate issues you will have dental alveolar compensation the the bite will be closed patient won't be in pain um, and what will happen is in 10 years down the line when everything super eruptions has happened now you are now thinking okay i need to do ortho to create space move the teeth in right position or do crown lengthening it becomes even worse by observing so my personal advice is that if you see dentin exposure especially when it's more than 50%, you must act. Of course, we're looking at the age, but anyone below 70-year-old, in my opinion, it, it is a must. Even above 70-year-old, you need to have a discussion with patient because now the lifespan or longevity, you know, we are living longer and longer. So, you know, there's no reason why you cannot expect 70-year-old to live up to 90s or, you know, 100s. So, you know, if you have 50% tooth surface loss at 70, do you really think it's going to last them for another 20 years, that tooth in the same condition? I don't think so. And for me, early intervention prevents further damage to the tooth. So you can get away with just, just putting some composite on the dentine area and just protecting it rather than doing full-blown restoration. Now, when these guidelines were in 2008 um, published, I feel that we still didn't have enough data on full mouth reconstruction using adhesive techniques. And, um, you know, what they were considering was indirect restoration, which was conventional approach where you crown all the teeth. Now, yes, there is a merit of saying don't do that because if you're doing a crown, then you are basically damaging more tooth tissue. And I completely agree that it's it's much more invasive treatment. However, putting composite and doing reconstruction by direct adhesive method is, in my opinion, is the way forward when patient has uh, dentin exposure. As you can see, all the indices were made by some of the top experts in the field. And the best intention was for improving communication and clinical judgment and continuous monitoring. However, it's always difficult to prescribe treatment plan 
by just looking at the indices, especially the indices are subject to particular dentist who's carrying out the assessment. And it's very subjective. And when you calculate the mean scores of the whole sextant, it can be very misleading. So you need to be very wary as to why you're using indices and for what purpose. And lastly, Valati and Balzer came, up, came out with the, the indices called Anterior Clinical Erosive Classification, which is ACE. And it aims to provide a tool that is easier to use than BV for clinician. Patients are grouped into six classes based on five parameters uh, relevant to the treatment, to the prognosis. And these parameters are dentin exposure in the contact area, which is lower tooth contacting the other two, upper tooth, and what is the exposure on the upper palatal surface, the preservation of the incisal edges, whether the incis there is a loss of incisal length, the length of the remaining clinical crown, the presence of enamel on the vestibular surface and exposure of the pulp. So what they come up with is if patient has class one, um, ACE class one is basically thinning of the palatal enamel. If that's all patient has, but there is still enamel left, then there is no restorative treatment indicated. ACE class two is dentin exposure on the palatal aspect where the lower tooth is contacting on the palatal area, but no damage to the incisal edges. So you see this indentation where the lower tooth is really digging into the upper um, upper um, tooth. So you need to you need to really assess that. Um, and in my opinion, if there is a you know that kind of indentation, then you need to do direct or indirect palatal composite, and that's what they recommended as well. ACE class three is basically dentin exposure on the palatal aspect and damage to the incisal edge, which is less than two millimeter. Again, the recommendation was palatal veneers with incisal buildup. The the ACE class four was extended dentine exposure on the palatal aspect, loss of tooth length greater than two millimeter, but preserve facial enamel. So you have now palatal loss and incisal loss less greater than two millimeter. And this case, the advice was to use a sandwich approach, which means you do palatal composite buildup and then buckle incisal porcelain veneer. ACE class 5 was extended dentine exposure on palatal aspect, loss of tooth length, which is greater than 2 mm, and loss of facial enamel. Now here you have basically dentine everywhere. And here as well, sandwich technique was recommended, but it was with, with a caution because it's an experimental treatment with these type of cases because we know that dentine bonding is still somewhat... Um, um, classified as a taboo and um, many dentists would just bond to enamel and those dentists may feel comfortable doing crown in these cases rather than doing uh, composite bonding. In my experience, I've done hundreds of cases like this predictably where I bonded um, to dentine. However, let's say if I consider I have 0.5% failure, certainly less than 1%, all the failures are 
in the cases where there was heavy dentin exposure. So we know the limitation of bonding to dentin, but it doesn't mean that we can't bond to dentin. We just need to explain that to patient. And ACE class 6 is basically advanced tooth surface loss with exposing exposure of the pulp. And that's where you will then do whatever's needed, really, root canal treatment, um, crown, bonding, post and core. They recommended in this case as well a sandwich technique. Um, but, you know, it again is in a highly experimental phases. So I hope you found today's podcast useful. The, the takeaway point is that even ACE, um, anterior clinical er uh, erosive classification is not ideal because it doesn't deal with the posterior tooth surface loss. And during my recent um, mentoring sessions with dentists, um, one of the dentists came up with two cases where just the posterior teeth are have erosion and there's no issue with the anterior teeth. It's completely fine. And we don't have indices to have record that kind of erosion where, you know, and, 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 and attached to treatment modalities. I like about what I like about ACE is that they are um, they are advising proactive treatment rather than reactive treatment, and that's the philosophy I follow. And as I said, we all look for confirmation of our beliefs. And you know, when I saw this index, you know, it it, it confirmed my beliefs. And you know, if you are in the group where you should, you like to monitor things, then you know, you will find that the recommendation from the European group or BV indices is more suitable for you. At the end of the day, we are all have biases. We are all biased. And the treatment we recommend to patient, although we would like to feel that we are independent uh, of our biases, it's always dictated uh, from our biases. So, you know, pick your bias, which way you are, because you can't stay in the middle. Um, of course, you know, you need to make your best clinical judgment and decide when you want to start doing the treatment. But what I, what I want to get away, you to take away from this is that there are lots of indices out there. I feel if you're going to record indices, either BV or ACE indices are one of the best suitable uh, indices. If you are trying to justify treatment, then if you use ACE indices index, then you will be able to at least document why you decided to do, let's say, anterior reconstruction um, and, you know, what method did you use using the ACE index or classification. And um, it's more, ACE is more like a classification rather than an index, but at least it advises, it, it shows you, it tells you the treatment needs. So to date, there is no one ideal index. Uh, that can be used for epidemiological studies and clinical staging and monitoring. So you need to pick the indices you like. So if you if you if you have any preferred indices, please feel free to comment in the Facebook group called Face, uh, Full Mouth Reconstruction for GDPs, where we are really actively discussing different cases, different approaches, and I'm open to suggestions. I strongly believe that I'm learning as I go every single day. And if you're not learning, you are not growing. So on that note, have a lovely day and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I look forward to seeing you in the next podcast. Bye.